to see everybody here today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, I don't have any monitor up here, Sister Sound, Sound Woman, Sound Lady. Don't all look back there. You'd be like Lot's wife. I was preaching in a church one time. This is the truth before God. That the clock was above the sound booth in the back of the church, and there was a sign under the clock. And right under the clock, it said, remember Lot's wife. <laughs> so nobody complained about lengthy preaching. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Now the reason for that is, I know, that, I know that this may be difficult to understand, okay? I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 2, okay? You don't have the problem, I do. Let's read that again since you're now in the right place. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be, <clears throat> excuse me, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word. The reason for that is, listen carefully, is because the first century church believed that Jesus would physically return in their lifetime. Even though Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons. The, the first century New Testament church and even some of the apostles believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Neither ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, <clears throat> neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Everybody repeat after me. A falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, so you're talking about the coming of the Lord. You're talking about a great falling away. And you're talking about the revealing of the Antichrist. And in verse number three, it said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And I'm going to talk about an end time revival of quitters. An end time revival of quitters. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray together in Jesus' name. Lift your voice with us as we pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, <clears throat> we pray for your power. We pray for your spirit. We pray for the working of the Word of God in our midst here this morning. We pray for strength. We pray for boldness. We pray for power. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray for the enrichment of our souls in your presence, the strengthening of our inner man. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
This phraseology that's found in verse number three has been subject to commentary and textual criticism for many, many years. There is a school of thought that believes that what this falling away really means is it is the rapture. Um, and there are, there are some people that try to make that, that case, and they use a lot of other scriptures to try to support that. I'm not here to negate that. However, there are a lot of others on the other side of the table that have interpreted this literally because of the word falling away. It is a phrase that uses those two words together where we get the word apostasy or apostasia, which means apostasy. That means a defection from truth. It is not defection from some non-denominational message. It is not defection or the forsaking of a uh, watered-down gospel. It is literally a defection from truth, to forsake truth, and to quit. The scripture indicates to us that there will be many. The Bible says that there come a falling away first. One biblical commentary um, that I really trust as a commentator because of his accuracy in other areas calls this a great falling away, which there's going to be a multitude that falls away. Um, but make no mistake about it because of where this is placed in this eschatological, it's a eschatological, meaning that this particular passage of Scripture deals with end-time events and end-time prophecy. And they believe that this is going to happen at the end time, that there are going to be people that leave the truth. First Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 1 says this, now the Spirit speaketh expressly or accurately that in latter times. Everybody said latter times. Everybody say it again. One more time. That's right now. That in latter times some shall depart from the faith. And so not only was the Apostle Paul being used when he wrote to the Thessalonians. And I do not know what it was. There were special nuances that took place in those epistles to the Thessalonians that had an end time edge to it. Because you may remember in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, you will see where the Apostle Paul describes what we commonly understand as the rapture or the catching away the church where we will not prevent them that sleep and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. That's found in 1 Thessalonians. But here in 2 Thessalonians, it has a little bit more of a cutting edge to it because it, it's saying that in the end other things are going to happen and there's not only going to be a great falling away but there's going to be a revealing of the man or the son of perdition which we know to be the Antichrist. Also a corroborating scripture is found in Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 12. Matthew chapter number 24 is uh, the standard, it's the gold standard of eschatology in the Gospels. In verse number 12 
uh, Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. If you look at that word iniquity, right in the middle of the word iniquity is a smaller word that says quit. Everybody see that? And because of iniquity, which means selfishness, self-will, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And so there are going to be people that quit. There have been people that quit. And there's going to be people in the future that quit. But as for me, I'm not going anywhere. How about you? You have to understand that every human being is, is in the Bible. I didn't say every human being was going to be saved. I said that every human being is in the Bible, and some people are going to fulfill scriptures that are necessary so that other people can fulfill scriptures that are, that are to the redeemed. I'm going to say that again. There are some people that are going to fulfill scriptures because there has to be there has to be a group of people that fulfill certain scriptures so that other scriptures that are addressed to the redeemed can be, can be fulfilled. The challenge to you and I is, is every day that you get up, you need to tell yourself, I'm going to be saved today. I'm going to live like I'm saved. I'm going to act like I'm saved. I'm going to pray like I'm saved. Come on, somebody. I'm going to live my life like I am in the redeemed. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Proverbs 24 and 10, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I want to tell you, there are quitters in the Bible. Lucifer was the very first quitter because the Bible tells me in Ezekiel 28 that iniquity was found in him. Somewhere he chose iniquity over truth. Can you imagine being raised and only knowing the glory of God and only knowing the omnipresence of God and only knowing the omnipotence of God and only knowing the omnisapience, omniscience, on and on and on and on, and yet iniquity was found in him he quit. Somewhere he quit truth and allowed iniquity to be born in him. Cain was a quitter because he quit the counsel that God gave him and went ahead and murdered his brother anyway. Lot's wife was a quitter that she did not take the counsel given to her by angels and she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Saul was a quitter in that he wanted the popularity of the people rather than the fulfillment of the word of God. And he was a quitter. You see, a quitter is not always somebody that gives up and walks away. It's somebody that chooses something else over truth. Somewhere you quit righteousness. Somewhere they quit truth. Somewhere they quit the spirit. Somewhere they quit doing the will of God. But I'm persuaded, I'm among a group of people here this morning that have made up their mind. Ain't nobody taking me out of heaven. Ain't nobody getting my name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Ain't, oh, come on, somebody! 
Nobody's going to get my victory. Nobody's going to take my anointing. Nobody's going to take my place. You've got to make up your mind every day. Clap your hands and give him praise. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him glory. Hallelujah. It's good to see brother and sister Thompson back there. Hallelujah. And I don't want to get started because I'll forget somebody and get in trouble. But she had back surgery. and You know, there's some people, surgery is not going to keep them out of the house of God. Well, that was about five of you. They're probably all visitors. You know, a headache is not going to keep me out of worshiping God. That's about six of you. This is what I'm talking about. All it takes is a little ding, and I can't come today. Why don't you look at your ding and say, God's greater than that little problem. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's I need somebody to get on board with me. I got to preach three times, and I cannot preach. I cannot preach unless you want to go with me. There ain't no problem bigger than God. There ain't no devil bigger than God. There ain't no doctor bigger than God. It's nice to see Sister Penny today. See, I could go all day, but I'm going to forget somebody. And I don't mean to forget anybody. Hallelujah. You know, I shouldn't do this, but I do a lot of stuff I shouldn't do uh, to, to the church. Just have fun with them. You know, last week, that one o'clock crowd put you guys to shame. <laughs> I think I've made my point. When we turn this thing to 11 o'clock, I, I do not want to be the only 65-year-old running. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I just, I just like having fun. I really don't mean any harm by it, but I'm just telling you that when I, I've been waiting for this all week long. I've been doing devotionals every morning. I've had counseling. I've had meetings. I've had everything. I love it all. But the greatest, the cherry on the cake is getting together with you and exalting the name of Jesus and watching somebody get delivered, watching somebody get healed, watch somebody get the Holy Ghost, watch somebody come out of darkness, watch somebody, yes, somebody shout, somebody give him praise, somebody give him glory, somebody give him glory. That's what church is. Woo! And so there is going to be an end time revival among quitters. The Holy Ghost said that. Many shall depart from the faith. The Bible says that there are quitters in the word of God. Judas quit for 30 pieces of silver. Demas quit having loved this present world. The 5,000 that ate the bread, the loaves, and the fishes quit as soon as Jesus started preaching. 
I could go all day. Just this last week, there were two leading denominational, one was an author and a pastor, and the other one was the lead singer of a group called Hawk Nelson. Now, Hawk Nelson was, if you don't know who they are, I didn't either, except I heard a song uh, on the radio, and I really liked the song, and I found out who the singer was, and it was a group called Hawk Nelson, and it was a, it was a song called Drops in the Ocean. It was an incredible song about redemption. Uh, and last week, he came out and said, I am no longer a believer in Jesus Christ. And they were, they're, obviously, he's got tens of thousands of fans, and everybody's asking the same question. How could this happen, and what's your reason, and why is it you don't believe? And he just, it just didn't have anything specific. Just, man, just, you know what? I'm going to tell you what happens. People see this pandemic. I'm going to tell you, as, as we move into the end times, and people are going to say, where is God? You better be rooted. You better be like a house that's built on a rock instead of sifting sand. That you're here for the feeling, and you're here for the people, and you're here to get noticed, and you're here because your family's here. You better be here because it's where God wants you to be. You better be here because there's truth here. You better be here because the Holy Ghost is here. You better be... I'm going to tell you what's happening. There's people that are starting to see suffering and chaos, and they cannot connect the dots. And they're saying, if, they're, if God is so great, how come God is allowing suffering? you got to understand that God did not do this. God has allowed this. But there's a lot of things that happen with the fall of Adam and Eve. And if you don't understand truth, and you don't understand who the church is, you're going to get real messed up because you're not going to be able to connect the dots and you're not going to be able to understand. But I'm telling you, God is in control. No, come on, somebody. Don't be soon shaken in mind or in spirit when you see a great revival of quitters. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a loser is not necessarily a quitter. Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player that ever lived, and he's not really a hero of mine. My heroes are all in the Bible, but if I was going to have one in the world, Michael Jordan would probably be one of them. He said, I've missed 9,000 shots, but he's the greatest basketball player that ever lived. You have to lose so that you can win. People that always win don't understand the glory of winning because they've never been on the bottom. When you're on the bottom, when you come out of the world, you say, this is the greatest group of people I've ever seen. Well, what about this one? Well, I don't want to hear all that. I don't see them that way. I see them covered in blood. I see them robed in righteousness. I see them full of the Holy Ghost. I see them going to heaven. I see them walking with God. Woo! How you see others says everything about how you see yourself. Not every loser is a quitter. And not every failure is a quitter, but every quitter is both. I'm going to say that real slow for the people that just came in at the last there. Not every loser is a quitter. And not every failure is a quitter.
But a quitter is both a loser and a failure. And I want to tell you, there's a difference between a backslider and a quitter. When this pandemic hit, I thought, okay, we're going we're gonna to see some backsliders. I'm, one, I'm scratching my head. I'm saying, okay, you're seeing something for the first time since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost 2,000 years ago. The first occurrence since then that affected every human being on earth. Over 180 nations were in lockdown. Over 180 nations reported deaths as a result of this pandemic. The entire world was affected by this. And the entire world was affected by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost because it was poured out on all flesh. I'm going to tell you what happens. When you backslide, you lose part of the revelation that you had when you was here. You forget what it felt like when you were sitting where. You know why I love this group of people? Because you're not sitting at home with some channel selector in your hand looking at Netflix and seeing what's on ESPN. You're in the house of God. you got enough brain to recognize. I remember what it was like. I want to feel him. I want to worship him. I want to know him. And people that have backslid have forgotten what it feels like. The joy and the power and the exhilaration of the Holy Ghost. Somebody clap your hands and give them praise. The prodigal son was not a quitter. He was a backslider. But he remembered. And there's a difference between backsliding and quitting. There's another man by the name of Joshua Harris. Now this one really gets me. Joshua Harris is the author that became a bestseller. That you might remember the title, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Any of you remember that? Do any of you remember dating? Are any of you here today? Okay, this, this was a Christian classic, and it was a great benefit and help, especially to youth ministries, because it put a strong prevalence and a strong, a strong note on keeping your purity until marriage. And all the parents said amen. He wrote numerous other books. I actually have several other books. In fact, when I saw this on my, my Fox News app, I ran into my library at home, which I have several thousand books at home, and I looked at one of the books, and sure enough, it was Joshua Harrison. He was talking about purity. What he did, just in the last little while, he divorced his wife that he had three children with. He was last seen marching in the gay parade in Vancouver, B.C. And he made these statements. He said, I am no longer a believer in Jesus Christ. He was a pastor, he was an author, he was a conference speaker, very well recognized, respected through denominational lines. And he said, I am no longer a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, God, you come to Cornerstone this morning because we are worshipers. I didn't come here to just go through the motions. I came here to worship. There's going to be a revival of quitters, but not here, not here, not there. Now, come on, somebody. 
though everybody walk out on him. I'm here to stay. I'm here to go to heaven. I'm here to live for God. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Woo! Somebody go ahead and shout. Come on, Brother Carson. You haven't been able to be in church for three months. Somebody shout. I don't care who quits. I'm staying. Let's begin to qualify this a little bit. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12 says this. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Every single quitter has some of the same characteristics. They weren't able to address and deal with their unbelief. I'm going to tell you what, the first two groups at the end of the book of Revelation that are cast into the lake of fire are the fearful and the unbelieving. Fear is not an excuse. Well, pastor, I'm just afraid. Well, I understand that God didn't give you the spirit of fear. So what spirit are you going to listen to? Come on, somebody help me. Pastor, I'm sorry, I just, I'm just having a hard time believing. Well, that's where the whole world is, and that's what will cause them to be lost. But it, it, it ought not be in a child of God. We ought to be like a little child that says, if it's in this book, I believe it. I may, hold on. I may not have seen it. I may not have experienced it. But that don't mean God can't do it. Come on, somebody, help me. I might not have seen it. I might not have felt it, but bless your heart, God can do it, because God can do all things. All quitters have a certain element of unbelief. Through the years, I've seen my share of quitters. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 13. They on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and they, but these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. The price tag becomes too great. I want to tell you, this, this eternal marriage that is taking place, we're in the betrothal of an of a eternal marriage right now. And in a betrothal, you're still getting to know your future spouse, and you're communicating things. Um, brother and sister Logan Sargent are over here. They look so happy, and um, I, should, I should have them stand up right now, but I won't do that. That'd probably upset them, but I do stuff like that. I'm just so unpredictable. But while before they got married, they were getting to know each other, and that's where you begin adjusting your likes and your dislikes, and you know, this my, my potential wife, she doesn't like, everybody, every man look at his wife right now while I'm saying this, because she's going to probably kick you while nobody's looking. And this is where a husband learns, or a future husband learns, my wife doesn't like this, so I'm going to quit doing that. And my wife likes this, so I'm going to start doing this. Some of you successfully married men, help me out right now. 
Some of you ain't moving. Some of you ain't even doing nothing. You're looking straight ahead and thinking the pastor's going to move on any minute. We're talking about a marriage that is not dissolvable by, the, by problems or sickness or anything that comes to life. And Jesus said, you know what? I want you. I want to marry you forever. I don't care if you make mistakes. I don't care what your past is. You are a work in progress. But somewhere, some people come to the place of accepting these realities becomes too much. And the Bible says they fall away. They that are on a rock are they, which when they hear, it's talking about they have no understanding. They have very little comprehension. They have no revelation. They have no spirit, uh, spiritual wisdomacy where when it's mixed with the word, the light goes off and you go, my God, where have I been all my life? And this becomes the greatest thing you've ever received. People don't receive that. They receive the word. They say, man, I'm going to shout because everybody's shouting. I'm going to run because it feels good to run. I'm going to do this because everybody's doing it. But when God narrows, narrows you out and said, you got to get rid of this and you got to get rid of that because I want to be with you forever and these kind of things can't go in there. Somebody clap your hands. I'm staying. I'm not going to fall away. Whatever he wants, he can have it. End time revival of quitters. Interesting scripture. Psalm 23. The most well-known scripture in the Bible. Only second to John 3.16. And Psalm 23 is very short. But it's very powerful. And there's been a lot of biblical expositors through the years that have tried to apply it. And, and that's their job to do that. They try to bring coloration, theological coloration, to a passage of Scripture for greater depth. But I want to tell you, there is nothing like having the baptism of the Holy Ghost and reading a verse of Scripture. You are the only one that will see that Scripture in 3D. I don't care if some pointy-headed theologian that's got more degrees than a thermometer is looking at Acts 2.38. And he's going, well, I just don't understand, you know. They, 50 days earlier, was baptized in the titles. And Peter didn't, you're going to look at it and go, dude, that's like 101. You got the author in you. Psalm 23 has been, has been interpreted as being the yearly cycle of a sheep and his relationship with the shepherd. Some have even postulated that it is talking about the Babylonian captivity, which is a stretch. But that's just to give you an idea that everybody wants to take a shot at biblical interpretation. What Psalm 23 is, it's describing the three different channels of life. The first channel is one of worship. And in worship is where we are postured. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A praiser can't necessarily say that. The Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Anybody can praise God. You can have, you can have a, a bus full of people from the Christmas house 
used to, we used to do that. We used to bust them in there until we found out that some of them were convicted murderers. And I thought, you know, shouldn't have young people down there doing outreach. So we quit, we quit bringing those people to our church and tried to qualify it and vet them a little better. But only a worshiper can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Why don't we try that just for a minute? Some of you are facing all kinds of things in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. But I want to tell you, God's got the answer. God has the remedy. God has the answer. Let's just take a minute and praise him. I love you, Jesus. I pray you open up the windows of heaven and pour out what's ever needed in this house. Every dynamic of living that people will go back to when they leave this special place. God, I pray, I pray for the abiding presence of God so that I can say I shall not want. How many of you ever remember coming to that place in the spirit where just worshiping God and being in his presence was enough? I'll bet everybody has because that's what it's going to take. And then let's go to verse number two. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. After, after I have put him in control, now he can posture me. Real basic. But it's beautiful. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. God is posturing me. It's a time... It's a time of worship. It's a time of posture. It's a time, everybody say rest. 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 Worship is supposed to be rest, according to the book of Hebrews, where we have ceased from our own works, but now it's God that's at work. That's why the Bible said, let, let us labor to enter into that rest, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. And then verse number three. After we have worshipped, and after we're in a posture of rest, now it's time for restoration. He restoreth my soul, and now it's time to go forward. This is the first dimension of spiritual living. And now that he's able to lead me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, we're ready for the second dimension, second chapter of spiritual living, which is struggle. Let's go to the next verse. Yea, though I walk. Wait a minute. I thought he was leading me into a path of righteousness. <laughs> that path of righteousness becomes... The valley of the shadow of death. God doesn't just trust anybody to take this trip. Like you have to get some things in place. But the reason why I'm coming to this is this is where a lot of people quit. They want an American dream Christianity. Like I can see Acts 2.38 in the Bible and I see one God in the Bible and I see separation from the world in the Bible. But I don't know about all this other stuff. We don't have answers for all this stuff and I never asked for all this stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Three dimensions of life. 
is worship, rest, and restoration. And now you're ready for struggle. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I looked that up one time, and I want to tell you, that is not just some biblical illustration. That is not just an allegory of a, of a spiritual application. That is a reality. It is a real place. It is a physical place. It is a place that is, is greatly shadowed. The only time it has sun is when the sun is directly overhead, and then it goes all the way to the floor. But there's the passageway on the valley of the shadow of death is just a, a little tiny ledge about that wide. And now where God was in front of you as the object of worship in the first dimension of living, now in the second dimension of living, he's no longer out in front of you. He's behind you. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who say, man, I love that worship part. I love that restoration part. I love all that part. But I never asked for this struggle. I never asked. Maybe you're here today and you have not been healed. Maybe you've been in this church for years and you've not yet been delivered. Maybe you've been in this church for years and you still have your wounds. I'm going somewhere with this. This is so in the Holy Ghost this morning. I want us to lift our hands and just pray right now. Because I, 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 I need to be sensitive right now. Because we need to talk to some people here this morning that you feel like God doesn't see and God, God knows everything. Come on, everybody, let's make him the object of worship. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. You can order my steps. You can lead me where you want me to be. You can do whatever you want to with me. You can produce anything you want to produce in me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is talking about the unknown. That is talking about those shadows that are there are reality. They are real shadows. They are, they are huge areas of darkness. When our visibility is obscure and our goal is, is, is not plainly revealed to us, but we're on this little ledge and it's danger below and it's danger all around, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to tell you something. You and I are living in the 21st century, and I know that God did miracles in the Bible, and I know that God uh, delivered people in the Bible, and I know that God restored people in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you what the greatest thing is, is to still be here in the 21st century, and you have not gotten your healing. You have not gotten your deliverance. You have not gotten that, but you're still in the house of God, and you say, I'm not going to turn. How is God going to develop people in the 21st century that have everything money can buy and can manipulate any situation to their liking? How is God going to process the 21st century church when all you got to do is push a button and you can have anything you want? And if you can't get it, you, have a, you know how you can get it. Oh, you can act like I'm not here. I'm telling you, God sent me here to talk about all this. The greatest victory is I haven't been healed, but I ain't quitting. I haven't been delivered, but I ain't quitting. I haven't been restored, but I ain't quitting. That's all I got for you. Clap your hands. Give him praise. What you going to do when your healing doesn't come? What you going to come? What are you going to do? If God doesn't do what you want him to do, I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving. I'm not giving up. 
I'm not staying away from church. I ain't quitting. I don't care if somebody offends me. That person ain't going to take me to hell. Go to the next verse. Celebration. Third dimension of living. Some of you, when you get older in life, you're going to look back up at your life and you're going to say, you know, that pastor, he was pretty smart to come up with that. I didn't come up with this. It's in the Word of God. Everybody in this building is in one of those three dimensions right now. And after your celebration over your last victory, there will be a time of worship. There will be a time of rest. There will be a time of restoration. And then God says, we got another trial. We got another struggle. We got another thing. We got another part. Come on, somebody help me out this morning. You're sitting here this morning. You are the heroes of heaven. You have not been healed, but you are here today. It's not all perfect, but you're here today. It's not the victory, but you're here today. Go ahead and give him the praise. I'm not quitting. If God never heals me, I'm not going to quit. If God never delivers me, I'm not going to quit. If God never answers me, I'm not going to quit. That's right. Pastor, are you going to preach like this three times today? Yeah. I don't know how to do this any different. Because we are talking about God. You know, some people are like, yeah, you know, God. But did you hear about how the Mariners are doing? Mariners? Honey, you couldn't get into a Mariners game if you had a thousand face masks on. Because they ain't having games. (laughs) The real question is, God wants to know If you'll quit, you know, I've seen people over the years, I've watched somebody quit, and then I've watched carefully, but I did so very prayerfully because I knew that to have a friend or somebody in the church and they go bad, you better be careful that you're not so close to somebody that they can get you to quit too. Man, we was doing real good in that worship part, Pastor. We was doing real good in that rest and that green grass and those still waters. And we was doing real good on that path of righteousness. But that path of righteousness led you right into that struggle. Because God is in control. You can try you can tr- you can throw money at this and that can't help you. You can you can you can arrange people the way that you want to arrange them. That ain't going to fix it. God knows how to get right in there, right down to where you're living. God knows how to get right into that equation and said, "I got to find out if you're going to back out on this. I got to find out if you'll quit on this. I got to find out if you'll jump off this ledge. I got to find out if you'll go back to drugs. I got to find out if you'll go back to internet pornography. I got to f- Oh, I'm going to hit somebody. 
I already did. There's going to be an end time revival among quitters. But not me. Let's lift our hands and give him the praise. I'm almost done. Man, I don't understand this pandemic. I think I'll quit. I don't understand why this is happening. I think I'll quit. I don't understand these problems. I guess I'll quit. I don't understand this, so I guess I'll quit. I don't understand this. Being a home missionary and starting this church from scratch, I have heard this over and over and over and over again. Pastor, it's just so hard. It's only hard if you're trying to do this in the flesh. If you're in the spirit, this is a breeze. But I am looking at some quitters here this morning. I am looking at some quitters here this morning. Which one do I want to focus on? Man, it's as quiet as a tree full of owls right now. I'm telling you, you're a quitter. Sure it is. How many of you quit smoking? How many of you quit drugs? How many of you quit fornication? How many of you quit alcoholism? How many of you quit lying? How many? I quit sin, but I'm not quitting God. You, I'm coming right back there. Come on, somebody. I'm a quitter, but not of God. I'm going to quit lying. I'm going to quit cheating. I'm going to quit drugs. Come on, stand to your feet, clap your hands, and give him praise. I'm going to quit drugs before I quit church. I'm going to quit lying before I quit truth. I'm going to quit the devil before I quit God. I'm going to quit the world before I quit heaven. Somebody shout, I'm a quitter, but I quit the world. I quit sin. Clap your hands. Shout. Have you quit anything? I need some musicians to come. You know what? There's going to be a revival of quitters in the end time. There's going to be people that have quit God, and there's going to be people that have quit the devil, have quit hell, have quit the world, have quit the flesh. Have been, come on, somebody. If I'm going to quit anything, it ain't going to be church. It ain't going to be prayer. It ain't going to be the Word. It ain't going to be the Spirit. Matthew 24 and verse number 12. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end. 
Hey, you guys got problems. We ain't leaving. Hey, you got a situation. I'm not leaving. The devil comes and says, you still ain't healed. Boo, I ain't leaving. I'm not walking out. I'm not staying away. I'm not going home. I'm not going to the world. I'm not going to see him. I'm not going to the devil. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him glory. some under the sound of my voice I know that this has been this last two and a half months do you want to know why do you want to know why we decided to have church when we did it didn't have nothing to do with that governor it didn't have nothing to do with the presence I simply realized as a leader that there are people that need the presence of God because we are not going to quit and we need strength and we need fellowship, and we need the Word of God, and we need the Spirit of God. And so, I want you to come down to this altar. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to allow God to put His strength, to put His determination, to put His, come on somebody. This altar call is open. We're not going to beg. We're not going to pull. This is for the weak.